0: Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. So this is the first recording in the bomb shelter, which mm-hmm. is the new recording studio that Josh has. It's actually in the old post office. Right. So you're in Houston. It's downtown. And this is the actual bomb shelter that they used back in the Cold
1: War. Yeah, above the uh, above the door it has the uh, radioactive symbol. Yep. Oh.
0: And so they sprayed in, like, sound insulation, and because it's all concrete, so it reverbed like crazy. And it it sounds pretty good in here now. Yeah, yeah. Bit of acoustic treatment. Yep. Um, so we have a lot to talk about today, and so we're going to try to go fairly quickly through the topics. Yep. Um, so this week I was designing another jig or mm-hmm. fixture for panels. I have designing like, an adjustable one so it can hold different sizes.
1: Right, because we have a fixed version.
0: Yeah, we have a fixed version because our prototypes go through 16-inch by 16-inch panels. Yep. Because that's the most cost-effective, basically, per square inch for fiberglass. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is an adjustable one. So for, like, larger runs, we just can just move one of the edges over and then pop the panel in. Boom, done. That way, Yeah, that way you don't have to adjust the line width. Because then you don't have to sit there and, you know, crank all the uh, all the, all uh, the conveyors, conveyors and yeah. stuff over. The machines auto-adjust... But not the conveyors.
1: Yeah, but now nothing needs to
0: change. Exactly, everything will stay at sixteen and a half inches. Yep. Bam, done. Easy. Easy peasy. And then uh, I fixed the Mac Arduino. Oh yeah. Yeah. So this was an issue with not basically not powering up the I/O on the FT two thirty
1: X chip. Right. That weird feedback kind of power feedback. Thing. Yeah. So yeah.
0: basically, what it is I powered up the. FCC I/O the standard way. I just ran it off the three point three volt regulator that comes off the FT two thirty X. So yeah, it actually has its own built in regulator. Okay. And it supplies uh, fifty milliamps. So technically, you can like power off some external circuitry if you dared to.
1: But you're just using it to power itself.
0: Yeah, that's how it's normally set up. Right. Well, it's not powering itself. It's powering the I/O external. Yeah. Weird.
1: It's turning stuff. itself on in a way. Kind of like bootstrapping. No, it? no,
0: it it powers up the uh, the I/O drivers. Right. It doesn't power up the actual FT30X.
1: Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, no, it's receiving power from the USB line. Correct. And then it and then it that in turn regulates down and then turns on the I/O. Yeah, basically,
0: yeah. it's it drives the tri-state drivers. Right. On right. the outputs. Right. So like the C bus lines and that good stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I have an AVR Tag Connect article. Uh, I talked about this last week. Yep. And so that's out now. I think it went out on Tuesday. So give that a read. Yeah. Uh, Let me know how much of it's wrong. (laughs) All that good stuff.
1: (laughs) Somebody will find it out. Yeah. Cool. So uh, so I've been working a bit on uh, my synth engine. Um, I've been designing some synthesizer yeah, this, stuff.
0: Yeah, this is what you designed while your wife was in surgery. Yeah, that's right. But part of well, it. Well, okay,
1: so a little bit further into it. Uh, so my synth engine is basically the core of the tone generation inside my synthesizer. Um, it's basically just a ramp generator uh, for making like sawtooth waves. But I, I've never been a fan of the synths that I've made in the past. They have a lot of drift. Uh, So when they heat up or they get old or components change, then the frequency changes. And some people find that to be like a desirable feature. In my opinion, you can program in Drift. (laughs) Uh, And I would rather just things be rock solid and I choose Drift if I want it. So so I've been playing with an Arduino to try to use that as the main frequency generation. And I, I ran into some kind of brick walls with... Uh, with its interrupt cycles, because I was having uh, an overflow interrupt generate my clock pulses that basically is a, you know, tenth of a hertz to 20 kilohertz kind of thing. And the Arduino's not really that good at that, at doing these things. You know, if you want to make a signal to, like, two kilohertz, uh, three, four, five, yeah, sure, but uh, getting higher than that, it's not really that fantastic. So I found a... Um, uh, a workaround, or not even a workaround—a much better solution, I should say. Um, I was doing some digging, and I found the Analog Devices AD ninety eight thirty
0: three. Okay, so what's that chip? Do? Which
1: is a ridiculous frequency divider, basically. Uh, it's it's actually in, in reality, it's a it's a function generator chip, but I'm using it in just a pulse generation mode. Uh, what what you do is you you pump in uh, a clock signal, whatever you want, you choose. And then you can write a, a variable division of that clock into it uh, over SPI. Uh, so I'm putting a one megahertz clock into it, and it has 28 bits of resolution. So using SPI, I can I can have 0.004 hertz resolution per bit. Yeah. So it's way more than I would ever need. Yeah. Uh, and the
0: crazy thing is that that the uh, clock generator the one megahertz clock generator signal you have yep because it's uh it's a that's a big can yeah um the crazy thing about it is we actually tried to test it for drift Yeah. And we took the hot air gun and hit it with 100c yeah. right on the can <laughs> yeah, I'm trying and, to, it, and, and the clock and the clock on the uh, scope did not drift at all yeah no it was 1.000
1: yeah megahertz which is perfect yep. yeah the, uh, the I found this little clock device it's a ECS 2100 ax 1.0 megahertz uh, and and basically you pump in 5 volts connect to ground and a megahertz comes out uh, from 0 to 5 volts uh, which is perfect uh, and then I just pump that right into my analog devices and now I have a killer clock reference that I can control with the Arduino so I don't have to interrupt play games would like that. So it's great. I'll have a working prototype hopefully this weekend. Awesome. Cool.
0: Yeah. Uh so I guess right into RFO now. Yeah, sounds great. Um interesting. I think this actually happened today, because I opened up Eagle today and it told me there was an update. Ooh. So yeah, Catsoft releases 7.7 of Eagle.
1: Didn't they just release 7.1 not long ago?
0: That was like over a year ago. Really? Yeah. Uh... So anyways, this is the First interesting one, because it's the first release since the Autodesk buyout.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so they changed all the licensing. Oh, great. Um, yeah, th- that's
1: interesting but, but you could see that coming.
0: Yeah, yeah, from miles away. Basically, they made yeah. it more like the Autodesk model. Okay. So you've got uh, a couple different versions. You have standard, premium, ultimate, express, and educational. So the main things <laughs> that really changed was the express and educational. Okay. Those are... Um, free right yeah so the express version is basically the trimmed down version of it yeah um so it's like two layers and then like a small board that's all you can do um the educational basically bumps it up to six layers yeah and uh increases the size a little bit to like six inches by four inches ish that's not that big no um and to get the educational version you have to have a edu account oh
1: man yep. oh this is gonna
0: hurt yeah um then they added a Maker Edition, oh, which is the okay. same as the Educational, yeah. exactly the same, except you have to pay for it. Yeah, how much? Uh, $169. Uh,
1: okay. Yeah. I mean, not... that's, a, that's still a bit much for a Maker. Yeah, but that's kind
0: of... Mo- and by the way, all these are non-commercial. Oh, really? Even yeah. the Maker one? Even the Maker one's non-commercial. Huh. Um, and then when you bump up to standard premium Ultimate versions... They have different tiers of those because you can get it with or without the auto, um, auto, uh, auto router. Auto router. Which yeah, uh,
1: don't get the auto don't, router.
0: Don't. Yeah, save your five hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> don't buy the auto router. <laughs> um, and that's all. That stuff's the same. It's sold roughly the same price and that stuff. But yeah, the interesting thing is they added basically the maker edition. Yeah, uh, which is basically the Edu edition, but you can actually buy it now, which is cool. Yeah. So right. it's uh, that's that's interesting. And they also did. Uh, oh what was it um let me look at my cheat sheet real quick Du-du-du-du-du.
1: so it, the, it's absolutely so so what oh it, yeah what looks it. Like, they removed
0: the 30-day trial of the pro version really yeah or they calling it the uh premium version or ultimate version
1: okay so you've been spitting out a lot of the, the details you're the eagle guy here yep. how do you feel about this um, I already own a license, so I don't care. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I mean, I look at this, and, and what it looks like they did is they left their core product alone, but they kind of messed around with the low-end stuff that's basically to get what they did. to get some more cash out of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's basically what they did.
1: Hey, you know, it's not surprising.
0: Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It would be interesting to see if the Express version still has the annoying ad that pops up when you load up the software. Probably. It probably does. Yeah. Um, let's see what else they added. They added some interesting things to the uh, layout interface now. Yeah. Um, basically, there's an option to actually see the names of the traces, the netlist name, Ooh. actually on the traces, like Altium. That's Altium style. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like Altium style. Cool. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's that's way thumbs up. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's turned on by default, according to the patch notes. Um, and they added some ULP stuff that basically, um, so it's more integrated with Autodesk. There's like a button that basically generates a big text file that you can upload to circuit.io. And so you can get a 3D model
1: of your stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I'm wondering why they're not having that as a built-in feature.
0: It is built-in. It's a button you can press and it puts it out.
1: But it takes you somewhere to a third-party thing.
0: They own that. Well, okay, yeah, I guess. Oh, so. you mean built into software? All right, so yeah, that's a little different thing with Autodesk because they kind of just shoot you around
1: through their different products. Sure, sure. Okay, that makes. Yeah, I got it. It's just uh, Altium, AltiBoard, DipTrace, and actually, I think even KiCad all have built-in 3D viewers. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, uh-huh. it's not really a
0: 3D viewer. It actually is mechanical data. Oh, like, so it's like it, it's a step file. Thing. So then
1: you can dump that into anything else. Yeah,
0: so you can actually design a case around it.
1: That okay? That's that's different and that's cool. Yeah. Um.
0: And since we're on the topic of Autodesk, this is a little random. I was uh, I got the update for Autodesk Fusion today. Yeah. And they have a import from McMaster.
1: Yeah, you were showing me that. Yeah, that was, is super cool. Yeah, it's
0: really cool. Basically, you go to insert, and then there's McMaster. Yeah. <laughs> it actually has the McMaster logo. Yeah. And you click it. And it opens up a browser in Autodesk Fusion to the McMaster website. You navigate to the part you want and hit save, and bam, it loads it in.
1: Yeah, and and McMaster has like everything is yeah, it has all CAD. your parts. Yeah, yeah, everything has everything CAD. Everything has CAD. It, I that is so amazing. And you know, I I can think of some of the mechanical engineers I work with, and they would probably. I'm thinking right now they, they would say, like, eh, that's cool. But for the guys like me who I do mechanical stuff, but kind of because I have to, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that. I want to go grab a bolt and bring it in. I just click the button, and there's my bolt. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Super yeah. cool. Cool
0: stuff. See, we'll see if uh, they come up with some more. I'm really looking forward to when they finally add, like, push routing in Eagle.
1: Yeah. Well, are, are there, aren't there ULPs that do that? no no
0: no i haven't found one yet oh yeah and also with the the name overlay on traces yeah they also have links of traces to overlay now
1: wait they have what the length
0: of the trace oh oh that's cool yeah that's cool so you don't have to right click on all the little individual pieces and yeah. add them up
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think dip trace you have to go to properties and then it'll tell you the yeah. length but it, but uh, it's not as easy as just clicking the trace and seeing it yep cool that's cool well, uh, did you hear all the news about Arduino versus Arduino?
0: Yeah, uh, more con- uh, you know, more companies basically coming together, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, how many times have we talked about that on this yeah. podcast? On this the- one's a little different, This one is different because it's two companies both claiming the same trademark. Uh, yep. And it's kind of like the heart, in a way, of makers. I mean, well, this is
0: this is uh, Arduino LLC and Arduino SRL. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah. Right,
1: which which were two separate entities that were both arguing over who has the trademark to that. Who had the biggest trademark? Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's it's crazy, and and you know. It would take forever to go into all the details, so we we should post some links to some articles about it, uh, just because it's a crazy read and it's super confusing. But but basically, what happened is is uh, you know the Arduino came out, and you have the same guys who who developed the Arduino basically fighting each other over who has the rights to it. There's all this crazy who spent, who spent the most sleepless nights? <laughs> I'm sure all of them did. Uh, absolutely crazy. And and so there was there it's kind of like weird. There's some dirty tactics going on. Uh, one of the guys basically claims, Hey, I, I trademarked this in two thousand eight in Italy, and the other side is just like, No, you didn't. They just completely deny that it <laughs> that it never happened. Completely denied it happened. Yeah, like, uh, and they're like, We did it in two thousand nine. So I don't know, it's crazy. In America yeah right yeah. and and actually, because of this, we have things like the Genduino, yeah. which is the Arduino outside of the US Yep. Uh, and and it's it just got really messy and it got it got it got stupid the past two years. Well yeah, yeah, absolutely stupid. and it was one of those things where if you go to Google and typed in Arduino, you'd have arduino.cc and you'd also have arduino.org yeah
0: and and and, a, and cc was the one that you're supposed to support. Yes. Or something like that. Well, yeah. yes, sort that of. That was the politically <laughs> correct one support.
1: The politically correct one, yes. But the thing was Arduino.cc had their hands more in kind of the IDE side yep. of things. And Arduino.org had their si- their hands more in the manufacturing side of yep. things. So it, it would not be uncommon for you to be programming an Arduino.org board with Arduino.cc's IDE. Yeah. Uh, and... There's also kind of the deviation of who did what, because some of the boards, like the Yun, or however you pronounce it, Y-U-N. Oh, yeah. That, that was made by the, the uh, SRL.org guys, but yeah. it kind of crossed over. It's just weird. Um, regardless, all of this boils down to: at the most recent New York Maker Fair, they settled their differences. Uh, which is fantastic. Now that now we just got to move on to world peace. <laughs> well, we have to start somewhere. <laughs> we have to start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So uh, the takeaway from this, what's cool is now there's going to be two different entities. Uh, okay. There was two before. There was two before. There yeah. was two before, but there's two <laughs> specific entities that have specific jobs now, as opposed to fighting over it. So um, there is the Arduino holding. Okay. which they are going to be the distributor of the hardware, okay. of the basic product itself, and that is for-profit. Okay. There will be a non-profit called the Arduino Foundation, and they're going to be the guys that handle uh, all the code and the IDE and the community. Interesting. So it works out really well. The product, the thing you actually buy goes to somebody who's making money on it, but then everything you do with it is non-profit. Or, or it interfaces with the nonprofit side of things. I wonder where the, uh, what
0: was it, Arduino at heart stuff going to land? Uh, you remember not, that stuff? No. That was like, how do you like, it was like one of those, um, if I remember this correctly, I might be, this might be wrong, but it was, how do you say you're Arduino based without using the word Arduino? And it was, was it was this thing called Arduino at heart program. Yeah. Basically, you can use their logo and stuff, and you had to pay some money, I think, and then be certified, and blah, 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 blah. Oh, wow. Um, I think that's I think that came about because of all this .cc.org split. Yeah. That's why they had to do that Arduino at heart thing, so it might die.
1: Well, or, or just evolve into... Yeah. I mean, because it sounds like, well, they said... The, in the article I was reading, used the word settle, and that can either mean like, hey, we shook hands and we're all happy, or legally something happened. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I would think the legal thing likely happened. They yeah. came to an agreement saying, hey, let's settle our differences. It, it and- sounds
0: like since they're keeping it separate, it's just they're going to tolerate each other now.
1: Well, but they're putting, they're putting specific roles in different buckets as opposed to each one fighting over the territory of the fighting other. Fighting over one bucket? Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, I mean, Arduino LLC, which was .cc, they were manufacturing through third-party channels. Yep. But Arduino.org was manufacturing themselves and distributing themselves. So now it's just like, no, you manufacture and we do code. Yeah,
0: and this still doesn't stop the $5 Arduino you can buy on eBay yet.
1: Well, yeah. It's all part of the game. <laughs> the clones. Yeah, the clones. The yeah. Clone Wars. So <laughs> that's that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Um, finally, the bickering might stop, I hope. That would be awesome. Um, and so this can only be good. I, 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 I would say I wish they would just come back together and just be one company again. Yeah. It's because the communication between the software and hardware would be a lot stronger. Yeah. But what are you going to do? This is better than them fighting, I guess.
1: I I think it's better if if each one lives in their own world and does their own thing. You know, of course there's going to be communication. But it's just like, you're the experts at this, you do that. And we're the experts at this, we do this. You know, that kind of mentality. I'm going to assume basically when the
0: new hardware comes out that the software side gets like an early peek at it to make sure that the software will work. (laughs) You would hope. Yeah, you would hope. But it might not. It might be like two completely separate things. Oh,
1: and then they have to go and update the whole IDE. Well, just for they new come out with this new
0: piece of hardware, and then basically it's going to take the community and then the community and the IDE side like a month to fix stuff to get it to work. Yeah. So you then you had this like. Kind of useless but, piece of
1: silicon, but but here's the thing: I could see the Arduino community like that happening, and they would act like really, really angry, but they'd actually have a lot of fun fixing all the problems. Like I could see those guys being like, "Oh, this is terrible," and then being like really into it. Yeah, you know? keyboard keyboard warriors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, crazy. Yeah,
0: and uh, in the similar vein, yeah, um I think this was last Friday, so it was fortunately missed out on last week's podcast. Um, Arduino is running a Kickstarter called the Eslov. I don't know, E S L O V. Yeah. Um, IoT invention kits. Huh. And it's basically one of these module systems that you can connect stuff together. They went the inexpensive route with FCC connectors mm-hmm. instead of having a custom connector, like snap together stuff. Do they have weird pin spacing? Um, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> weird. They have one one pin that's like slightly farther apart. No, it's got to be like one
1: point two millimeter pitch. Right, oh, something so, something is like that. Is that two seven? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, no, it doesn't look like anything silly like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's what's interesting is how they term the marketing is um, no technical experience required. Um, hackable with the Arduino IDE. It's like hackable instead of just programmable. Uh,
1: that, yeah, because that word means a lot yeah but it's
0: like you're designing something that's being programmable by the arduino ide not hackable means it was never intended to be used with the arduino ide
1: uh, yeah agreed <laughs> you know we need to have a whole podcast where we talk about hacking hacking and what hacking actually means yeah because like when somebody sees you do something that they don't understand they're like oh you hacked that yeah like no you didn't i like, just wrote i just wrote an email to <laughs> <laughs> you you hacked their email servers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well they say that because people are, you know, they'll li- they'll like that term.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Like, well, no. I'm a hacker. Um I wonder which Arduino this is. It's got to be the hardware side, right?
1: The, uh, yes, actually, in fact, um it it would most likely be them because the uh before all this jazz started happening with them coming together, um Arduino.org, which is Arduino SRL, started taking the approach of more IoT everything. Ah, so I bet you it's those guys, probably. And then this brings up the question: Is why does
0: Arduino need a Kickstarter? They're an established company. It's, I don't like I, hmm. I don't like established companies doing Kickstarters. Maybe they're
1: hacking Kickstarter.
0: Maybe I'm thinking it's free loans. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah. I think they're just trying to get funding. Probably. And free loans to so push out this. I think it also would be like a good
1: test market. You can see how much interest yeah. is
0: actually there. I was
1: actually just about to say that. You can, you can test the waters before, you know, making a huge product. Yeah, that's what Oculus did. Yeah, yeah.
0: I guess Oculus basically ran the Kickstarter just to see what the market was like. And then, like, right after the Kickstarter was done, a couple months later, they slam dunked their... Uh, they're they're not crowdfunding, but they're uh, they're series round.
1: Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess it's it's a strange but effective way. Yeah. Instead of just putting your product out there and, and believing in it, you can find out with uh, a much lower cost. Yeah. Basically,
0: almost. I, I, does Kickstarter actually
1: cost any money to start something? No, but no, your I, time you, and effort and energy and, and all the stuff that goes. into Yeah, and does. you have to give Kickstarter a cut at the at yeah, the end. Right. But if you are successful. Yeah, if you're successful. Yeah. Um, And then
0: going from the IoT stuff, Mm -hmm. um, earlier this week, the IoT took over the internet with botnets. (laughs) Um, They basically were uh, DOSing OVH hosting. Yeah. Like one is like the largest ever with one terabytes per second (laughs) or a terabit. I think it's terabit.
1: Skynet's taking over.
0: Yeah. (laughs) One device at a time. (laughs) And... They say IoT. Yeah. But this is su- this the things that were being hacked has been around forever. Way before IoT was like a term we used. It's, yeah. it was IP cameras. Right. Most of the devices are IP cameras. And you wouldn't even say nowadays an IP camera is an IoT device. It is. But you wouldn't even it say retroactively It
1: retroactively
0: becomes Be- becomes an IoT device. Right. So they're just using the word or people using the word IOT here as a buzzword.
1: Oh, it's clickbait.
0: Yeah, clickbait. Yeah. Because um, it's not your refrigerator attacking a hosting it's, company. It, no, it's <laughs> exactly
1: like we were talking about earlier. It's the same thing as hack. You yeah. know, if you see a guy modifying something or building something, that's different than seeing something where it's like, this guy hacked this. Yeah. Like, Ooh, click on that, you yeah. know. <laughs> so, yeah that's, that's, yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, But, yeah, 150,000
0: cameras basically were bombarding this hosting company. <laughs> and it was apparently kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. What, how'd, they, how'd they solve it? Uh, it's still going on. Is it really? Yeah, it's still nice. going on. Um, what's going to be interesting about this is I think this is going to be finally the point where, like, lawyers are going to decide whether or not, like, the developers and, or makers of this camera, <laughs> basically of an IoT device yeah, is going to be responsible for oh. the security holes.
1: Ooh, that's because now big. this is
0: actually shutting down a ginormous hosting company for at least a week so far yeah so there's a lot of money being lost here
1: you don't that's 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 a really interesting concept because you don't even have to know anything secret about a hosting company you can just hammer it with a whole bunch of data and take it out yeah so this it's one of those like if you put out an IOT
0: product now if, if, if basically these guys get sued out of oblivion right? Um yeah. basically it's going to set up where if you release an IoT product you have to make sure it's secure and for the life of the product you have security updates for it.
1: Hmm. It's kind of like uh I can see a new bureaucracy coming up like the FCC of the IoT yep. you know where if you're going to be putting crap out into the the data stream you're responsible for the crap.
0: Yep. And it's not going to be the it, it's 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 not going to be the users either it's the designer it's going to
1: have to be on the designer to make sure Ooh, the security holes are filled that's that's big yeah. that's bigger than just saying yes or no yeah, <laughs> we'd have to argue that a long time yeah yeah and um i mean like like if i guess it's kind of like radio in a way uh where you know you're responsible for what goes out on the airwaves once it's out there you don't get it back exactly you know? yeah yeah so uh and then but saying that that is on the designers well, responsibility it's on the,
0: the manufacturer, not the, manufacturer, the it's on the uh yeah designers the engineers the programmers to make sure that their device cannot be hacked huh and if they can be they push a security update it's like it's like it's it's re, it's kind of like the reason why win, like microsoft they hammered pushing out windows 10 yeah. so they don't have to support windows 7 anymore yeah. Because once, like, the number of users from Windows 7 drops low enough, they can say, okay, we don't need to support that anymore.
1: Huh. So what What I could actually see is, you know how, like, you can have, um, you can go and get CE testing and FCC testing yep. and all this stuff. You have these test bodies that, that you pay them X amount of dollars, and they do everything. I can see there being...
0: An SEC, a security. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly, yeah. where you give them their pro- your product, and they try to... Get in in every possible way. Way that they know how. Yeah, and then you you can put a stamp on your device saying it's secure yeah. afterwards. So it's gonna be like a UL listing for. Sounds like we need to do that. We need to make that, and then charge like, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars for well, every I think product. There, there are security <laughs> companies that will test your stuff,
0: but it's not like a requirement yet.
1: Yeah, but 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 here's the thing. Like me as as you know, if I was gonna go purchase something, I don't look for a security. Stamp on things, you no. know. Well, most people don't even look for FCCCE stamps. Well, but I guess what I'm saying is, if I'm doing something in a more professional light where I would need to look for that kind of stuff, I'd, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. Yeah, uh, to kind of like foresee what's going to happen in the future because that's guaranteed to happen. Yeah,
0: I think, I think if they if they're saying how big IoT is going to get and how the fact that almost every single device eventually will be connected, mm-hmm. I think it's going to have to have some kind of body. That actually has testing for that stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, so we can prevent Skynet.
0: Yes. Prevent Skynet. That's yeah. the thing. Because what if it was Skynet taking over these devices?
1: Uh, so so the internet is now self-aware. Yeah. But, then it, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't cl- attack hosting if it was self-aware. It would be called CloudNet instead. CloudNet.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> AppleNet. Now, th- that's going to be the title of this episode. CloudNet. <laughs> CloudNet. <laughs> I, it uh, was
1: supposed to happen in 1997, but uh, they're a little bit late. Yeah, well. The project got delayed. Yeah, the project got <laughs> delayed. You know, scope creep. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
0: Yeah, no, I think I'm done. Uh, yeah, we're at the end of our list. Yeah, I think we, that was good. This, this is the most material we ever had on a podcast in terms of type words.
1: Yeah, two pages. We normally have one. Yeah, one barely one page. Yeah, just, you know. Yeah, we're going to do. It's all good? Yep. Well, that was the uh, MacFab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Gorman. Take it easy, guys. Later.